Welcome to the Eager for Truth podcast, where we aren't just looking for the truth, we are eager for it. Each episode will explore a new topic impacting the church and the world around us. We will challenge commonly held worldviews and counter it with what we believe to be a biblical worldview. As we look for truth, we hope to inspire you, our listeners, to look for the truth as well. After all, Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that if we keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, we will find what we are looking for. Love covers a multitude of sins, but it doesn't sweep abuses under the rug. There are some out there who deny the existence of spiritual abuse. I've mentioned it before and received quizzical looks and heard replies of that's not a thing. Sadly, I've personally experienced it at a very deep level over the course of many years, and I know many others who have experienced it as well, so I know all too well that it is a thing. Does it mean that abuses in the church exist on a grand scale? I sure hope not. But just because you've not personally witnessed it or experienced it doesn't mean it's not a thing. In some cases, I've had people respond that they believe it does exist, but that it is something that should stay within the walls of the church and not be exposed publicly, like how the actions of Mark Driscoll and other church leaders at Mars Hill have been getting uncovered in the podcast The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. For many, they feel this would fall under the verse that love covers a multitude of sins or other similar verses. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Too often, it's the silence about an issue that has allowed it to go on without consequence, or has done a great deal of damage to people to the point that they have been nearly irreparably scarred regarding the church and church leadership, and potentially even God. Sure, there is a fine line between capitalizing on a situation because it will get you more readers or listeners, or being vindictive in your approach to exposing what is going on because you have a personal agenda to get revenge for what's been done to you. But there is, I believe, a time and a place to publicly expose abuses that are happening against those in the church body. You may be asking, what is spiritual abuse? Spiritual abuse is when a person uses spirituality, the church, religion, or their spiritual leadership position to abuse, use, or manipulate others for personal gain. The Bible says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That's found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. I would argue that spiritual abuses don't always have to take the form of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Sometimes, it's a church leader who coerces people within the church body to make a decision to end a relationship with someone or several someones because this relationship is viewed as a threat to the leader. This coercion isn't necessarily in your face direct, but is oftentimes carried out through the leader painting a picture from the pulpit or in private conversations of what they believe loyalty looks like and how that loyalty can be broken, all without mentioning a single name. Sometimes, it's a church leader creating a scapegoat out of someone in the church, be they a church member or another staff person, when things aren't going right for the church. Sometimes, 
It's a church leader using another person or persons to coerce a group of people into doing something they might not otherwise do, all while painting the picture that this person was the one making this decision, not the church leader, and all while keeping their hands clean of the situation so as to appear innocent. My point is, spiritual abuse doesn't always look like, from the onset, as spiritual abuse. But after digging into it, be it through counseling or other means, it suddenly becomes apparent just how abusive that situation really was. Oftentimes, the one suffering the abuse doesn't even realize they are being abused. It is not that unlike a person who is being abused by their spouse and everyone around them is saying, why are you letting them abuse you like that, all while this person is excusing their spouse's behavior or coming up with reasons for why it's not abuse, but simply others not understanding the situation correctly. Unfortunately, we have seen a lot of spiritual abuse, including but not limited to physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, being exposed in the news over the last few years. If the news were all we had to go on, we would assume that this is simply a megachurch problem. But I can assure you, from personal experience, that this is not the case. The size of the church does not dictate whether or not spiritual abuses are taking place, though I do think the environment does play heavily into how the spiritual abuse may be manifested and maintained. Truth be told, the spiritual abuser doesn't usually begin as a spiritual abuser, much like a physical, sexual, or emotional abuser doesn't begin as one. Motivations are usually sincere at first, but the lure of how they might benefit from others coupled with abuses that they may have personally endured at the hands of others soon overrides their sincerity, sending them deep into a downward spiral of abuse. The old adage goes something like, hurt people hurt people. And this is no different in the church because the church is comprised of, surprise, surprise, people. But the abuser, having been hurt, doesn't justify their hurting of others. As the church, while we should love these people, we shouldn't be okay with their abuse, and we shouldn't remain silent about it when it happens. How should we respond to spiritual and other abuses? You see, there comes a point where hiding abuses carried out by church leaders or non-church leaders in the church, be they spiritual, emotional, physical, or sexual, behind the Bible verse, love covers a multitude of sins, which is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, becomes a severe form of negligence and a type of abuse of its own that can create more harm in its wake to not only the ones who have been abused, but future victims as well. At that point, the church is no longer being protected, or the leaders of the church, and people being loved unconditionally despite their flaws, but instead, victims are being overlooked and their abuses and concerns are being ignored, and the abusers are being allowed to continue on with their abuses. This is not okay, nor do I think this is what Peter had in mind when he wrote that love covers a multitude of sin. When abuses are being carried out, silence should not even be on the table as an option. The abuses should be uncovered, and the abusers should be confronted. In some instances, simply firing a pastor or staff person or asking a leader to step down is not enough. If the abuses are egregious enough, then legal action may need to be taken. Either way, abuses should not be handled lightly without serious consideration, prayer, and counsel, and preferably counsel from outside of the church body from someone who does not benefit from the situation remaining silent. I realize this is an uncomfortable thought, but just imagine how differently the various instances of abuses that we have seen in the news regarding pastors and church leaders sexually and emotionally abusing members of their own church or staff may have played out had they been handled appropriately. In many cases, the abuses we've seen in the news were going on for years, and in some cases with the knowledge of other church leaders who either wrote off the abuses or simply excused them, or attempted to handle the serious abuses internally in order to keep the ordeal quiet and not tarnish the pastor or the church's reputation. 
When it comes to serious abuses in the church, the reputation of a church leader or the church itself should be the last thing you're concerned about. It is not okay when people are victims and you're trying to keep things quiet so as not to disrupt church life or reputations. Remaining silent concerning serious abuses in the church isn't biblical, nor is it handling the situation with character. We do no one any favors this way, and in the long run, we create more harm. Not every situation should be handled the same. This also doesn't mean that every sin against you is something you must be publicly exposing. This is where discernment comes into play. We must be able to discern between what requires public exposure because it poses a serious threat to others and because as Christians we believe that injustice must be repaid by justice and what is simply a personal offense that can and should be worked out between two parties. For example, a pastor or church leader who says something from the pulpit or to someone private that offends another person is not an instance to go public or take to writing blogs or creating podcasts putting this person on blast. Instead, this would be a moment where you could go to the person directly and explain the offense and see if it can be worked out privately. Conversely, a pastor or church leader who continuously and egregiously assaults someone verbally, making threats to another person's well-being, or engages in any other behavior that poses a real threat to another human being in the church body may require public exposure or a third party to be brought in for help, especially if concerns have been raised to other church leaders within the church and no action is being taken, or attempts to sweep it under the rug are being made instead of confronting the issue and handling it appropriately. Whether we like it or not, abuses do happen in the church. Abuses of all shapes and sizes and levels of seriousness in each situation must be addressed uniquely because not all situations are created equal. Knowing the difference between a situation that can be worked out privately and a situation that requires public exposure is the difference between love covering a multitude of sins and a heap of victims being swept under the rug behind an abuser's unchecked behavior. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Eager for Truth podcast. A huge shout out to Scott Holmes for the use of his song, Real Estate, and Come and Get It for our intro and outro music. Be sure to subscribe to the Eager for Truth podcast to stay up to date on all of our past and future episodes. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like what you heard today, please also consider leaving us a review as this helps others find us and join in on the conversation as well. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get other updates like articles we write, events we may be a part of, or just to stop in and say hello. And as a parting gift, let me leave you with this verse from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened.